The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. Today, we are going to talk about vehicle safety, safety in vehicles. Maybe we should have said vehicular safety. I don't know, but we're going to just do safety in cars. And Scott said, let's expand it to all vehicles because things can get a little bit dangerous in the vehicles. So we're going to totally discuss that all today. But first, we're going to start with quirky tip of the day. All right. And our quirky tip today is if you do not currently crate your dog while you are traveling in a vehicle, we would highly recommend you do that. And this isn't judgment. Jimmy is loose often in the car with Scott. I'll take my dog loose in the car as well. It's not that this is like an end all be all rule. However, your dog is going to be safer. And if it has any car anxiety, they're definitely probably going to decompress better in a crate in the car. Uh, Yeah. And if uh, you're you're actually going to do some kind of a road trip, then having the dog in a crate is a, a good way to you're packing all kinds of suitcases and coolers and all kinds of stuff. It's nice to have a designated Kate uh, crate and be able to tuck your dog in there. Yeah, you know? if your car's filled with more stuff than normal, things are going to be jostling around yeah, and you around. don't want your dog to get injured. You don't want your dog to injure you guys. Yeah, a family road trip especially, you know, kids buckled in, <laughs> parents, a ton of crap. Find a crate for your dog and find a space for the dog's crate and it will really help you out. So this kind of started because we're having a hot week here in Maine. I know a lot of the country is a lot warmer than we are, but it's been about 90s um, every day in New England, you know, New Hampshire-ish, Mass, Maine-ish area, which for us is about as hot as it gets. 90 to 95 is like going to be our hottest part of summer for four, but for sure. But we're being extra cautious of who's in the car. Is Jimmy going to be going on trips with Scott? If he is, is there Ryobi? If he is, is he parking in the shade? If he is, is he leaving the air conditioning on? Like we have to be more thoughtful as soon as those temps kind of start rising up. So we're going to talk a little bit about temperature, but we're going to talk about a lot more topics as it relates to vehicles as well. Well, I left Jimmy home yesterday because I had a a day where I left the house at 8 a.m. and I didn't get home till about quarter to eight last night. And it was 90 for a good part of that day. And I had, I think, seven or eight appointments. And uh, I just didn't want him sitting in the car in that heat. I wasn't going to leave the car running for 12 hours straight. Yeah. And so I just chose to leave him home, which was a huge issue for me. (laughs) But I did make it happen. Uh, What did prompt me to think about this uh, was not the heat. But I just read an article this morning that a a driver fell asleep on the highway in Maine and rear-ended a car in front of him, probably doing 60 or so. The car in front of him had two dogs in it. Both dogs were ejected out the windows. And that's what made me think about vehicle safety and dogs. Because obviously those dogs weren't in crates. Yeah, They were floating around in the car. Windows probably were open. And they got bam from the back and both dogs went flying out. One of them, they, um, it took several days to find the dog. They picked the dog up on a trail camera. And animal control was able to find the dog and he was safe. But the very first dog, what made this story, I guess, a little bit more interesting was that one of the dogs that got ejected ran down the freeway, and then there happened to be a state trooper pulled over on the side of the road, and this dog ran up to the state trooper and kind of got the state trooper's interest, and he saw the dog was covered in mud and blood and scratches, and then he wound up 
backtracking and finding this accident where these dogs were ejected from. Yeah. Scott had sent me the news article through text. I hadn't read through the whole thing, but that is one of the few stories that I'm hearing for, you know, the first time. Normally I feel like the people that have the dogs are getting into the accidents, but that's a whole another thing is that, yeah, you could get sideswiped on the road, T-boned, whatever else. Yeah. And if your dogs are loose, it's going to be more of an issue. So I I will say not to interrupt you, but I drive more careful when Jimmy's loose in the front seat than when I'm by myself. When I'm by myself, I might be watching a documentary or I'm doing all kinds of stupid crap. Let's hope that but we're not I, still doing that. <laughs> when I have my dog in the front seat, it's like having a kid in the front seat. I'm like, you know, I'm slowing down, put my arm out, making sure he doesn't bounce his head off the dashboard or something, you know? Well, I'm glad that Jimmy makes Scott more mindful as a safe driver. But if you are going to be crating your dog in a car, any crate is better than nothing, right? For one, the dog's going to be more contained and everything else. However... It, there are many different instances of, you know, soft crates. They're not that freaking strong, right? If the ceiling of the car is going to collapse <clears throat> onto a soft crate, your dog is probably going to get smushed under that soft crate as well. Those wire kennels, if they're going to get ejected from a car, even if they're, you know, zip tied together, they're easy to bend. They're easy to have brute force there, you know, make some sort of dent or something in that. You can even have dogs that ruin those. The plastic, you know, very kennels that you can get on Amazon, PetSmart, everything else, it's not that there's an issue there. Again, something is better than nothing, but those are just little screws that are put together, right? The doors pop right out. So be conscious of what crate you're deciding to have. We are big on Roughland kennels. We've brought them up before on the podcast. They used to be called Rough Tough Kennels. That is our go-to for car safety crates. Um, and I think, I haven't gone through all of this, but I think the price point of those is going to be more affordable than the other companies that I'm going to be listing also, but other popular ones that I'm familiar with. And if I'm missing any, feel free to shoot us an email at studio at the because I'm always trying to figure out what the best thing is to recommend and everything else. Impact crates, they have a really strong crate that they make. The Vario cages are very popular. They have a pretty strong crate. The Gunner cages, they have a really a safer type of crate setup than you know, just your typical very kennel. The Dakota 283s are big. And then Lucky Duck, they have TNC custom crates. And I even had an Owens kennel um, that I had bought when I met Scott at first. I had Sarge in this because he could break out of a very kennel. So yes, for vehicle safety, that's one thing. But if you have a dog with severe anxiety and it is prone to breaking out of crates, make sure the next crate you invest in can contain your dog safely so it doesn't keep getting these rehearsals of this. And these are some higher-end crates, you guys. You can spend a few grand on crates right now, but if it's going to keep my animal the safest possible in the vehicle, I definitely would want to be looking that direction. And one thing I would say, since you're focusing on crates uh, at the moment, is, and this will make it a little more expensive, but if you have a hatchback and you put your dogs in from the back end of your vehicle like we do, if you get rear-ended and that door gets crushed and you can't open that door... We always buy crates that have two doors, a front and a back door, so that if you can't access your dog from the back of your vehicle, from the front of the vehicle, you can open the door and let them get out through the front. So that's something to consider if you're going to have a rear-end loading uh, crate set up. Yeah, and I didn't do any research on this, and I people... um have different schools of thought with this. But as far as like securing the crates into the vehicle, um, we've done this both ways. If we're going to go on a big trip with the whole family, of course, like if there's a lot of room to move around in like a big van, we're going to secure those crates down. Our day-to-day crates, as long as they don't have a lot of movement and if somebody hits on the brakes, the dogs aren't going to go slamming everywhere, we don't secure down. And I philosophically, morally, in my head, whatever, I have this weird thing about, okay, if my dogs are like tied into the car and now the car's on fire, like maybe it would be best if they're ejected from the car in a super safe crate. So 
think of the different options and talk to some people who have been in some serious accidents because if you have a crate that isn't going to break, if it's thrown out of a car, maybe half the time it's better if the dog it has actually been ejected from the vehicle. There's not going to be more piling up everything else. So think about that for what's best for you. But we've done it both ways. And I know people that do it both ways. They have a really nice crate and they still, you know, hunker it down or they have a really nice crate and it's not attached to the vehicle or secured to the vehicle somehow. Well, when I had my pickup, which I had for several years, and I had dogs in the back of the pickup constantly, I had um, those crates strapped down to the floor of the of the um, pickup truck yeah. for sure. Yeah. And that's and just he my had a choice. Cab, he had a cab for the pickup truck. And that's another thing. The whole pickup truck situation, um, let's just head over to that. So a lot of people like to have their dogs riding loose in the back of a pickup. And it's, you know, super cute on like this old country road. Like, oh, look at the dog there and everything else. I read something that 100,000 dogs die a year being loose in the back of pickups. I don't know if that's a statistic or not, but that's a pretty large number if that is actually some documented data that that has been happening. So if that's the number of dogs dying loose in the back of pickups, I would recommend that we stop doing that. If your dog is in the back of a pickup truck and you buy one of these really high-end crates, yes, the dog's going to be safer and everything else. It's also going to be harder on a hot day for airflow, right? The sun's going to be beating down on them. Is the ventilation okay? Something could still fly through the crate at high speed, you know, some sort of screw or something and get in there. So weigh out your options. When Scott had his pickup truck, we had a cover on the back of it, mostly for... It was a shell. A shell, yeah. And I had a cabin, fan wired cabin in shell. there. Yeah, and there was a fan that went through there. The Ryobi fans, you guys, if you're not familiar with the Ryobi fans, they are awesome go-tos. Uh, Home Depot has a sale every year, a big Ryobi sale where you can get them super discounted, but they're battery operated. Scott has one in the car all the time. Be conscious of your ventilation. Safety is important, but then the tighter and the more contained the dog is, the more hot the dog is, the less ventilation there is, everything else. Yeah, I see that um, quite often. I was going through Duncan just yesterday and there was a vehicle in front of me they had a bernie's mountain dog uh, it was a mid-size hatchback and this uh, bernie's mountain dog was big and he was just like panting in the back and most hatchbacks don't have a window that goes up and down it's just a fixed glass yeah. so this dog is in there just panting away and keep in mind that that air conditioning if you don't have it vented to the back or your vehicle doesn't provide air conditioning to the rear it's really hot back there. It doesn't matter if it's 70 in the front, air, cool air blowing on your face. Because we put those uh, drop, what do you call those? Sensor pushes. The sensor pushes. Yeah. I put one in a crate in the back of my uh, SUV. And with the air blasting on a hot day, it was 90 in the crate in the very back of no. the vehicle. And that's why I don't, you know, I'm really conscious about having a dog back there on a warm day. I mean, you can get accessories where you can get a hose that hooks up to your air conditioning and runs back. Yeah, but test it out. If you're if you're warm while the air conditioning is cooling the car down in the very front seat, right in front of the vent, put the car on one day on a similar temperature day, go sit in the back and see what it's like and see how quickly it actually does cool off. Because Scott's right. Just because you're like, oh, whatever, it's 65 where I'm sitting, that doesn't mean the dogs are sensing the whole thing. And if you haven't seen the sensor push episode, we do an interview with the company. We're all about the company. You can get sensor pushes on Amazon. They hook up right to your phone. They run through Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, everything else. They're great. We have them right now all over our house with all this different temperature control. But it's important to know if you think, oh, it's not too hot. I'm going to go in the store in the grocery and, you know, do a quick, you know, uh, grocery run, you better freaking know how hot it is outside, especially if you're going to get back to the parking lot and there's going to be a policeman looking in your window wondering about your dog's safety. And the other thing I would say is absolutely have 
a container with water in it in your crate in your vehicle. So we have yeah. hanging buckets on the door. We have non-tip water, non-slosh water things that we can put on the floor of the crate. We have a million different ways of providing water to a dog. So yeah. even if it's a little hotter than it should be for the dog, they can drink water, which certainly... But if it's a little hotter than it should be for the dog, like the dog shouldn't be there. This thing about overheating, people don't realize how quickly it can creep up on you, but it's a big issue and it's a life-threatening issue, you guys. The worst possible thing would be to come back to your vehicle and see that your dog's having heat stroke. So be really mindful of it before you even get in that situation. We're going to go to break super quick. And when we get back, we're going to discuss a few more topics on this issue. Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast like me and Murphy here? Then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to the madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. Okay, we're back. So this was another statistic I saw. I don't know if this is full on, you know, scientifically proven or a big sample size or whatever else, but 55% of dogs are unrestrained in vehicles. That's more than half of the dogs unrestrained in vehicles. And I don't know, I'd have to ask Newton about this, but the, the thought is, is a 10 pound dog can exert 300 pounds of force in just a 30 mile per hour car accident. That's really dangerous. If your kid's sitting in the fricking front seat and your dog fly, your 10 pound dog flies into the front seat, it could go through the front windshield. It could injure you. It could injure your, you know, 10 year old kid. Like be thoughtful of these things, you guys. It's not just, oh, nothing's going to happen. Things happen. And the safer we are and the more we're preparing for that, the better we are on the front end, in my opinion. Okay. Are we getting away from uh, the heat? Whatever you want to talk about. Well, a couple of things came to mind. I will say just with regard to the heat, when I was in California and I had a van a utility van with crates that were strapped inside that. I used to take spaghetti bowl uh, buckets, you know, um, to boil pasta, fill them with water, put them in my freezer, and then I would strap them in the crates or beside the crates so that I had these big chunks of ice throughout the, the van. If they were in the crate and tied in, they could drink the water as it melted. But it just really did a great job at keeping the whole interior of the vehicle cooler where the dogs were. I mean, they weren't panting. They were totally comfortable. Yeah. And then my... Like you're not going to be able to put dry ice in a dog's Yeah, my van was just like (laughs) leaking water all the time, which I didn't care because it was nice and cool no matter how hot it was outside. But getting... uh, The other thing I was thinking of when you talked about kids and dogs, uh, this is not terribly uncommon because I've had several people tell me about this. They have their dog loose in the car with their kids, bringing their kids to school. The dog has territorial aggression, Mm -hmm. which now goes to the vehicle protection. Now now the vehicle with his family in it, he's just, and then some, you know, teacher, someone comes to open the door to help get these kids out. Now you have a potential bite situation. The dog's growling, snarling at this stranger who's coming in to take a child out of the car. Yeah. And I was going to say that even in relation to getting pulled over, people will be like, oh, my dog's never bitten the car before. Well, have your dog ever been loose in the car when someone has approached the car before? The last thing you freaking want is to be, you know, rolling through a stop sign and the cop comes to your window and your dog launches across your lap and bites the cop. So yes, any aggression that is resource guarding you, territorial aggression of your house, everything else could easily transfer to a vehicle. Another reason for a crate. Good safety sake for not letting the dog be an aggressor in the car and then also not letting the dog get injured. Yeah. And also, if you know, they have that type of territorial aggression where they're barking at every dog, cat, squirrel, person driving up and down the road. Of course, it's annoying for you. 
but there's the potential of them getting out of the jumping out of a window of a moving vehicle, yes. which then turns into a, a big problem for yeah. the dog. They can yeah. break a leg or something. Yeah, and I was going to mention that too. If you're going to be like, "Oh, my dog loves the car. I'm going to put him in a golf cart, or I'm going to put him in my friend's Jeep," and you know we don't have a top on the Jeep or doors or I don't know whatever the rules are for a Jeep, or you're going to try him on the Forerunner or even in a convertible. Be conscientious that that setup is not what your dog is used to, right? Like, put them on a leash the first time they're in a convertible. Put them on a leash the first time they have access to a full open window. Like, we've talked about dogs falling out of open windows before, just getting some sun. But just because you think, oh, my dog's fine to ride in my Hummer doesn't mean it can go in your aunt's convertible and it's not going to jump out the window when it sees another dog or wildlife or something else. So set your dog up for success and set your dog up for safety. I want to go back to the van thing super quick, too. So if you're traveling in an RV with dogs, um, especially like a fifth wheel type of setup, and your temperature is not going to be the same in the vehicle that you're driving in is behind, you definitely want to have a temperature regulator there also because you do not necessarily realize how quick those tow-behind trailers or those fifth wheels or anything else can get warm, even with the air conditioning running. I don't even care. You don't. It's going to be a different temperature than the vehicle you're driving in. The van setup. A lot of people are like, I'm just going to leave my air conditioner on. We have done this um, quickly a few times, like just to run in somewhere or whatever else. The way I like to do it is the keys are in the ignition. We have a separate set of keys to lock and unlock the car. Frankly, if I was really going to trust that system, I would want like a separate generator type of system for the air conditioner with a sensor push in there. If we ever got in a situation where Scott and I were going to be traveling in like some sprinter or something together with a bunch of dogs, that would be my preferred method for air conditioning. Do you agree with that setup? Uh, Yeah. And the nice thing about the sensor push product again, and uh, I'm sure there's other ones, but that's the one we're the most familiar with. Uh, It has Bluetooth to read to your phone to an app. And I can remember certainly in California, using an app like that where you the car you can see the car from the window of the restaurant, you get a window seat, and you can if that temperature goes up, an alarm goes off on your phone. Yeah. So you're sitting there, you're concerned about the heat, all of a sudden it's like, boom, it hit 80, if that's where you set your alarm for. Now you know, okay, let's pack this crap up and, and get out yeah. of here because the dock's getting too warm. Yeah, and you need to be checking, you need to be mindful of it, and these warmer places to live, I mean, it's really heating up. The Vegas, Arizona, like, type of area to live right now, like, we're talking over 100 degrees, like, day after day after day, week after week after week almost. You need to know, like, okay, every five minutes I need to be checking this or I need to plan to drop my dogs off at home before I go and do this errand. But for me personally, a separate air conditioner just gives me a greater sense of safety than relying on the car air conditioner. That's just how I personally feel. Yeah, and it's such a big difference from dealing with the cold because we've I've had dogs in the car when it has been zero degrees out. What was the name of the cover I had? I don't know if you remember, but I had this uh, crate cover that yeah. zipped up completely. And they tell you in the instructions, like, most of the time, it's a hazard to zip up yeah, the entire like thing. It's, it's going to be too yeah, warm. If Your it's dog's not under overheat, 20 degrees Fahrenheit. You might zip up half the door and leave half the bottom open because their body heat will fill that whole crate and keep them toasty even when it's zero degrees. If yep. that thing is totally zipped up, you open it and steam just comes out. They're like yeah. nice and warm in yeah. there. <laughs> So it's we really a nice product. We weren't choosing to sleep dogs overnight there, but if Scott had another appointment or whatever, and, no, it, just and it also rarely warm. gets single digits even here at Fahrenheit. You know what I mean? It's probably the the worst 
times of winter are like maybe a single digit night here or there. But if it's a single digit day and Scott picks a dog up and he has another class for an hour, that did help the dog maintain its body heat and everything else. Yeah, so I, there is a flip side of that, but the cold is way more forgiving easy, than the heat. Easy, yeah. And I never, I mean, it was very rare that I would zip that thing closed. Just leaving nope. the flap down would keep the heat inside there yeah. for the dog, which was nice. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about vans. We talked about different vehicles. Um, another thing for the heat are those sun reflectors, right? So if you're going to get a spot, like this is a big dog show thing where, okay, I'm going to pull under the shade and keep my, you know, back up and I'm going to have a bunch of fans yeah, there. Silver blanket. And then, yeah, yeah, there's like a silver sun reflector thing there too. So that's another good setup. If you need, you know, to keep heat out of the car, prep before a trip, like, okay, I'm going to have all the heat stay out of the car. We're going to get in the car. We're going to get to this destination. Think about, okay, it's going to be 90, 95 out. What happens if the car breaks down? How many animals do I have? What is my backup plan? What if I do break down? Like, make sure you have water in the car. Maybe, you know, a cooler with packs of ice in the car. If you're going on a long journey and you don't have at least five people that you can call and say, hey, save my ass and my three dogs, what is your plan if you were to break down? And this isn't to cause more anxiety. This isn't to cause more stress. This is just the reality of the world that we're living in right now, that if it's going to be over 90 degrees and we need to be transporting dogs, we're very thoughtful of that. That means like, you know, 10 more items about dogs and safety safety and different safety checks and everything else are going to come into our mind because of the temperature. So we're very thoughtful. Yeah. And certainly if you have a dog, uh, you know, and obviously if you have a child, but if you have to care for other beings beside yourself, get triple A. It's a (laughs) hundred bucks, 120 bucks for the year. And I've been, I drove a van from uh, LA to Arizona. I just bought the van and I just wasn't real familiar with, it was uh, a little Toyota minivan. And the gas tank wasn't that big. And I couldn't make it the whole way. So I, you know, I'm like 30 miles outside of uh, Phoenix, pulled into a rest stop. My light's on. I called AAA. They drove out with a couple gallons of gas yeah. before I ran out. I, you know, and it was just nice to be able to have that service and, just by calling the guy on the card and having him shoot And that out. specific drive, like people know you don't always have service on different drives from Nevada to California, California to Arizona. So be thoughtful of that too. Like shit, what if something happens and I can't call? And this is just take some extra precautions when Scott brought up the kid in the car. I had to laugh. There's this company. I don't know. Maybe it's a car company. It's some sort of company, but they're children, running a children overheating is funny. Dogs. No, it's there, not that I'm it's funny, but it's the, the company literally says like, and if the kids in the back of the car, remember to put, you know, your shoe or your cell phone or something really important in the back. So you remember that the kid is in the back of the vehicle. And I just was like, okay, well, here, here, where, where are we headed America? Like that's a problem. And that's a good point to bring up because if you do not have your dogs in the car every day, I mean, my God, if my freaking infant is in the back of the car, that's going to be what I'm thinking about the most. But if you bring your dog to daycare one day a week, right, you do the same schedule every day and you bring your dog to daycare one day a week and you have more stress, they have these little things that you can put on your steering wheel that you can like, you know, Velcro to your steering wheel that says dog in car. So there is a reminder that like, oh shit, I shouldn't leave my dog. He's in the back of the car right now. If you go to daycare every single day before you go to work, that yes, it's just going to be your routine. Maybe it sounds stupid to some people. Oh my God, like, of course I'll know when my dog's in the car. If your schedule changes all the time, give yourself a little reminder, give yourself a little grace because I know people that it's happened to over the years and there's nothing worse than having dogs overheat in vehicles. It literally can just be the most crushing thing ever and yeah. it sets you up with a lot of guilt also. And the, yeah, and the other thing about that is people don't realize how fast a dog can overheat because what happens quite often when a dog overheats in a vehicle, 
is people just running into the grocery store to get a couple of items. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then someone else sees the dog in there just panting and foaming at the mouth. And then they call a cop and they break the window and they hopefully save the dog. And then the owner comes out with the groceries like, I was only in there for 15 yeah. minutes. But you, know, you never know what take, could happen. You could break yeah. your freaking leg in the grocery store. Just be conscientious of these things. I do quickly want to touch on to dogs that are afraid of cars because sometimes dogs don't like to go for rides. Dogs don't like crates, whatever else. I don't know. Um, if your dog gets car sick, they may have a little bit of an aversion to the car. You can try ginger snap cookies. Uh, don't get super sugary ones, but sometimes the ginger can help settle their stomachs. Also, I would try just fasting them. A lot of people are like, oh my gosh, like the dog gets car sick. I gave him breakfast. He threw up his breakfast. Try fasting the dog. See if that makes it better. Don't give him breakfast that day. See if he can make it through a meal. Maybe don't give him dinner. Don't give him breakfast. See if he can make it through. Not a meal. I'm sorry. A ride. See if the dog can do better without food in it. If the dog is afraid of the vehicle, don't just drag the dog to the vehicle, but set the dog up for success. Get the dog getting on a little mat that may be in your hatch away from the car, like 10 feet away from the car, then next to the car. It could be like a week process that this takes, but don't just rush the dog and like, oh my gosh, you have to do this. If you're getting into a crate in the car, teach the dog to get into the crate separate from being in the vehicle. The dog enjoys getting in that crate. Maybe you lift it up at first. Maybe there's stairs. Maybe there's a ramp, but help the dog get set up for success. Last thing you want to do is be walking to your car every day and your dog's fighting you and then you pick it up and throw the dog in the car. The sooner it works through the fear of the car, the better. We have seen personally dogs, pet dogs that are afraid of the car. They're more afraid when the engine's on. So if that's the case, turn the engine off at first. Don't have the dog work through all these stress triggers at once. It's not that your dog has to love getting in the car, but if you're running out the door because of some emergency or you're late for a vet appointment or something else, it's a huge pain in the ass if it takes another 10 minutes to get your dog in the car and it's slipping its collar and its leash and everything else. So set your dog up so the car is a safe place to be and they don't hate getting in it. Especially if the dog out muscles you. You know, if the dog is too big yeah. for you to just physically pick up under your arm and hop in the vehicle, you need to be strategic. And if you can't afford to hire a trainer that could help you with that, go on YouTube. There's millions of videos. They're going to show you how to, you know, counter condition fear and... But it should move along quickly. Like you should get to, I would say any dog that absolutely hates the car within a week's time, you should be able to get them into that car and an extreme situation within a month's time. Like make sure you're making progress, set it up in a different way, back up to a higher platform. So the dog can just walk into the car. Like if you have a, you know, kind of short retaining wall by your house, four or five feet, maybe back the bigger car up into that. So the dog just walks in. Maybe the dog walks in, walks out. You don't even go for a ride, but figure out a solution and a strategy to get that to happen. That reminds me of the ramps. A lot of dogs are afraid of ramps. They can't pick the dog up because the dog weighs, you know, a hundred pounds or more. So they get a ramp. The dog's afraid of the ramp. So you start teaching the dog to walk on the ramp when it's just flat on the ground, away from the vehicle. Get yeah, them in your kitchen. To the ramp. Just yeah, walk. Up. This is okay. And then nice to have a dog who just runs up a ramp into yeah. the back seat. Yeah, you know? but train it in a productive manner. And you know, dogs riding in vehicles and all of these different things we talked about. Of course, there's safety and all this stuff to consider. I do just want to touch on always be very conscientious of your dogs around vehicles as well, right? Like we have really good control over our dogs. Our dogs are often off leash outside in the back. I am always conscientious. Every moment I'm out with the dogs, is Amazon going to come down? 
We have a really windy road. We live in this great little country house. There's some shadows and stuff. I don't want my dog out of sight. That's not on Amazon. That's on me. And we all have had times where, you know, oh my gosh, this happened and the dog didn't run away and it was just a fluke thing. It's normally the most well-trained dogs that this sometimes happens to. So always be mindful of your animals around vehicles because there really is no world in, oh, the dog's car savvy. The dog understands this. No, they're either attacking them and, you know, running to them out of drive and hurting them or something happens because it was just a fluke thing and they didn't realize. So please be very conscientious of your dogs around moving vehicles as well because it is tragic and that can be a very heartbreaking loss. Yeah, and uh, as far as t- you know, tying your dog on a leash uh, in the vehicle, and I've seen that, I know someone this happened to and it's, it's more common than, I mean, there's, a, there's dozens of videos on YouTube of it where the dog jumps out the window or falls out the window but they're on a leash, tethered inside. Now they're hanging off the side of the car, yeah. and the people don't even know the dog fell out. Yeah. The dog is hanging, which is you know disgusting and, and a freak thing. But one thing, I, whenever I see a dog in the back of a pickup, you know, I get concerned. It's not my dog. I'm just watching the situation in front of me thinking, oh, shit. But one of the nice set, setups I've seen is where the dog's tethered from both sides in a pickup. They have enough room to move a couple feet either way, but they can't actually get up on the side. Yeah. So they're safe. They have some movement in there, but they're tethered so but that they're But even that centered. has to be monitored and temperature controlled. And, oh, yeah. You know, it can still get stung by a bee. Like, just be thoughtful of the process. And nothing is set up for 100% security, but the more forethought um, we put into these things, the safer our dogs can be. Do we cover everything? Make sure they have their doggles on if they're going to be out. <laughs> the, the rec specs are a thing, you guys. They can get sunburned, whatever. Like, whatever. Set your dog up for safety. If they get an ulcerated eye because something flew in it, that's going to be pretty freaking expensive. Yeah, nobody wants to lose their dog. Uh, losing a dog to heat stroke is, I think, one of the worst ways that a dog can go. It's just brutal on the animal, and nobody wants to see that. Yeah, you know? yeah nobody wants to be a part of it. It's no, just terrible. No, it's, it's a tough way to go. All right, well, on that happy note, have a great Wednesday. We will um, see you guys next week. I don't even know what we're doing next week yet, but we got a lot of fun guests in store for August. And in the meantime... Keep it quirky. (coughs) Bye, guys. Take Take care, care. guys. We'll see you. Be safe. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.